Um, but Christ wants us to be unified as a body of believers. Um, maybe, maybe you saw this, but in the, the Peanuts cartoon, uh, Lucy came into the living room and Linus was watching TV. And uh, she threatened him, said, I want you to... Uh, I want you to change the channel to a different channel for me. And he said, what makes you think you can come in here and walk right over to me and take over? And, and Lucy looked at him and said, these five, five fingers right here, individually, they're nothing. But when I bring them together, they have great power. He looked at her and said, what channel would you like? Then he looked down at his hands and said, why can't you guys get your act together? Now, sometimes as a body, um, we are kind of like Linus's hand of, as a as a church body, which you say, why can't we why can't we get our act together more and being more unified as a group of followers of Jesus Christ? I heard uh, some sports talk radio guy talking about who they were predicting today in the Super Bowl, and they were going through, and they I'm not going to say who they were predicting. But they said uh, one team has some better athlete or better stars, more stars, but the other team is a better team. And they had a former player on there who had won Super Bowls before, and they said, "Okay, what what would you choose? Better team or better more stars?" And he immediately said, "Better team. A better team, a better unit, is always going to outperform a few bright stars." And that's what we want to look at here in, in Philippians chapter 2. Kind of the mindset is, as a body, as a team, how can we raise where we are to be a more unified body that brings glory to God? One way that I think we're already beginning to do this is the encouragement of hearing over a 100 seeds were planted that last week. That's encouraging for us to hear of, okay, that... The first week we did 50, this last week was 100, and then we want to keep building on that. So Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own, not for his only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him, and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your patient working in our lives. 
that as followers of you, you uh, deal with us patiently in um, shaping us. Um, and then as a, as a body, uh, you are constant, but you are patient in, uh, in teaching us, in training us, in showing us areas that we could uh, improve in. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us today, that we would uh, become a church body, uh, a body of followers of you that bring you much delight and much joy. Lord, I ask that you would guide our time in your word now, um, that your name would be praised. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you think about it, the church out of all groups should be the most unified, the most solid, uh, the most uh, firm team, if you will, of any group in the world. Uh, we have the greatest, the greatest master, the greatest teacher, the greatest coach. And as we heard this morning, we have a God who is limitless. He is... Uh, Beyond our understanding, he is limitless in his love, in his power, in his forgiveness. And that's, that's who our leader is. So um, you've probably heard it said, everything rises or falls on leadership. We have the greatest, the perfect leader in Jesus Christ, and we should be the most unified group. But if you look at Bible-believing churches, even we'll just limit it down to Bible-believing churches, sadly, you often see contention, you see fighting, you see uh, people leaving this group because they had a little fight here, so we're going to go over here, and nope, I don't like them, so I'm going to go over here, and you don't see unity in Christ at all. Here in Philippians chapter 2, And in verse 3, he says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let let each esteem others better than himself. One of the greatest hindrances to unity within the body is selfishness. Selfish ambition. Uh, It can be understood as motivated or motivation to elevate oneself or to put one's own interest above that of anyone else. So it's, it's self, uh, self-proclaiming. So this morning we were hearing of proclaiming God's greatness. And through our morning service we've been hearing of knowing who God is so that we can better uh, understand how to live in accordance with who he is. So we have more joy, more uh, love for our Lord. But the temptation is to promote and proclaim self. Um, here in Philippians, which we said last week was a, uh, a joyful letter, uh, one that's mainly about uh, joy and rejoicing. But here he says, don't let anything be done through selfish ambition. Everywhere we see uh, self, we see selfish ambition that it is a work of the flesh. That it is a work of the flesh. Um, in Galatians chapter 5, It talks about the works of the Spirit, and in verse 16 it says, Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And it goes down and it says, The lust of the flesh war against the Spirit. And in verse 19 it says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition. So anytime you see self being proclaimed and promoted, 
It's immediately we see that it is a work of the flesh. It is in opposition to the spirit. Our job as Christians is to promote God's goodness. But the temptation is to promote self. So selfishness is a work of the flesh. And everywhere it goes, it always brings destruction. It always brings problems. Um, In James 3, it says, For where envying and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So taking this back to a sports team, if you have a, a good team who is unified, but then you bring in a couple of players that are selfish, they can be great players, but they're selfish, they're self-seeking. It's not about the team, it's about them. It always brings contention, it always brings strife, it always lowers the level of the team. Even when you have very talented ones. And within the church, when we have uh, members, when we have us, members, living a selfish life, it always brings strife. It always brings contention. Now, look in your home. When you see strife and envying and problems and bickering coming, look how many times that's caused by our own pride, our own self-seeking, our own self-promotion. So selfishness always brings uh, problems. It always brings contention. Uh, think of uh, the example of you're, you're waiting at a, a, you're going down the highway Nobody in front of you, nobody behind you. And this car feels like they need to, they're more important than you are, so they need to pull out in front of you, make you slam on your brakes. Why? Because they couldn't wait five more seconds for you to go by and then them pull out. So that selfish, that selfish ambition that they have immediately brings contention. But then it also What's your selfish ambition? Is it, oh, how dare they? I I deserve to drive down the road. But selfishness always brings envying, strife. It always brings problems. But selfishness always causes complaining too. Um, In Psalm 78 and verse 18, it talks um, that the, the children of Israel tested God by their complaining about the food that God had provided for them. So, and I think of, I think of all that food that was spread out downstairs that we just enjoyed and, and the food that we get to enjoy and how often we complain because, oh, I don't like this or I don't like that. But we come down hard on the children of Israel for complaining about the food that God provided. But that was a, it says that that brought contention Because of their selfishness, because of their selfishness. So complaining against God um, and others is another result of our own selfishness coming to the surface. Because we are not getting what we want. We don't get what we feel like we deserve. And once again, uh, this morning, as we were challenged of many times we look at human relationships and expect perfection out of them. When only God is perfect. And that brings us to our next selfishness. Ruin. It ruins relationships. It ruins relationships. Because it is all about self-seeking. It all, all about what can I get out of this. It, it hinders and ruins every relationship. In uh, Proverbs 18 and verse 1 it says. 
A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Um, In Proverbs 13 and verse 10, it says, By pride comes nothing but strife. Selfishness, self-seeking, self-promotion within the home, within friendship relationships, always brings conflict and always brings destruction. And when you have multiple people seeking their own, when we're supposed to function together in the body of Christ, it brings contention and it brings hurt. Uh, but then selfishness always bring it always hurts your prayers. Um, in James chapter four, he talks about uh, you ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. So when we do ask God, um, we're guilty of one not asking. He says, ask and you will receive. But then when we do ask, we ask that we might uh, seek our own pleasures, our own well-being, our own glory. So when we are filled with selfish ambition, uh, that it's talked about here in Philippians chapter 2, it will hinder your prayer life. God is not going to answer the prayer where you are seeking your own glory. Now, he is going to answer the prayer when you are praying on behalf of someone else, when you are praying over those seeds that you've planted and that others have planted this week. And he is he is more than happy to answer those. So selfishness is uh, destroys unity. So we want to look how to how to be unified, how to have unity Um, in here in chapter two. He says, if there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort Fulfill my joy, here Paul is referring to the joy, by being like-minded, by being like-minded. 1 Peter 3, it says, be of one mind. Now, the mind that we are um, here in 1 Peter, that we are to have the mind of Christ, that as we are, we have a common goal, a common salvation. You and I have a common beginning. In that we were all born sinful. We are all born with a sin nature, that a problem that we cannot handle on our own. And we have a common salvation. Just as the Lord graciously has forgiven and saved you, so he has graciously forgiven and saved me. So we should have a a like-mindedness in that we are all in this together. We might not be who we should be, but we know that I am forgiven. I have a great Savior, and we have a common bond. We are all adopted into his family and are therefore, as we talk about, family members. Now, the family illustration that is used uh, sometimes can be a good illustration, but then sometimes it can be a bad, because not always is a family the most glorious picture of unity, right? Right? Uh, but there is a common a common bond of maybe uh, as as siblings. If someone was, you might fight with your sibling, but you didn't want other people picking on your sibling because they they were your family member. You you stood up for them. Um, as bo- as a body of believers, we ought to have one another's back. Uh, and and as I say that I I say we. 
we do a, a good job, and I applaud the church in bearing one another's burden. But we can always raise, we can always raise the, our game, raise that standard. But he says, be unified by having, um, being like-minded. Uh, just as Christ has began the good work in me, Philippians 1, and is going to bring it to completion, so he has begun the good work in you and is bringing it to completion. But then he says, be, of, um, be like-minded, be of one mind, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. We ought to also show love. As I die to self and do what is best for the body of believers, it brings unity. Um, in Proverbs 10, in verse 12, it says that love covers a multitude of sins. As a parent, you try to teach your children. They may have, your sibling may have done something against you, but can you show love and forgive them, and forgive them for this? Well, they don't deserve it. Well, you're exactly right, they don't deserve, but that's why you're showing them love and forgiveness. I think how often God must look down on on his body of children and see the the disagreements, the petty things that we argue about, the things that really don't matter. And how often he must say, man, can't you show love and forgiveness here? Can't you show a little bit of the love that you have received from me to forgive them? Love is always dying to self. It is not serving its own interest but serving the interest of others. Uh, the, the passage we read here talked Jesus, who deserves all praise and glory, humbled himself and became man. First of all, great humility in just becoming a man. But then it says, even to the point of death, the most cruel, painful death on the cross because of his great love for you and I. So we ought to show love, die to self and show love. But then he says that we ought to humble ourselves, um, that we ought to not look out for our own interest, but we should have the mind of Christ who, being in the form of God, humbled himself and came. Uh, George Washington Carver, who famous inventor, especially with the with the peanut, um, He said that when he was young, he used to pray and he would say, God, tell me the mystery of the universe. And he said that God answered and said, that knowledge is reserved for me alone. You you couldn't handle it. So he said, God, tell me the mystery of the peanut. Then God said, well, George, that's more nearly your size. Now, and I encourage you, if you're not familiar with, go look how God blessed that prayer. And I mean... Truly blessed. But I think how often we want to know, God, I want to know all of this. And and God's saying, what are you doing with what you already do know? Are you humbling yourself or are you trying to learn all of this other stuff so you can say, look what I have here. Look what I have achieved. Look Look what I know. James 4, 6 says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. We want God's grace, 
but we don't want the humility with com- that comes by receiving God's grace. So humble yourself. Do that by pleasing God, not yourself. So in, your, in bringing unity, we all ought to be seeking God's glory and not our own. Know that anything good is coming from God. Anything good is coming from God. He created you, and he is the giver of all good. Now, where you see selfishness come up, you can take credit for that. When you see uh, dysfunction, you can take credit for that. But know that anything good is God, and seek to live for his, his pleasure. Even as a church body, if we seek for, I'm just going to live for unity, we're seeking the wrong thing. But if we seek as individuals and then as a corporate body, If we seek to live for him, God will bring unity. But then humble yourself and take an interest in others. So the opposite of selfish ambition is humility and seeking others. So seeking God first, but then taking an interest in others. Now, they might, from the surface, you may say, well, I don't really have, I don't really have, you know, a lot in common with them. We have the greatest thing in common as believers, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You may, you may not like the same sports team. You may not like the same, you may be a cat person and not a dog person. You may like riding horses. You may like riding four-wheelers. You may like gardening. You may hate gardening. We have unity in Jesus Christ. And if we cannot reach out and take an interest in others within the body of Christ, where can we? So humble yourself. You're going to make mistakes. That's okay. Humble. That's another opportunity to humble yourself. Put others first. Take an interest in them and put others first. Uh, look not on your for your own interest, but on the interest of others. So as we as we were having fellowship downstairs, uh, not, okay, uh, there, I see one brownie left. I better get over to that dessert table before it's, no, where, where can I take an interest? Where can I, uh, try to encourage this person? Oh man, this person's struggling carrying their plate. How can I serve and step in and help them? It's having our eyes focused on others, not internally on ourselves, but then know how God has gifted you and use it for his honor and glory. So humility is not, oh, poor me, I can't do anything right. Um, C.S. Lewis, I think it was, that said, humility is not thinking uh, less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. And he talks that if you met a truly humble person, we have this idea in our mind of kind of just slumped over, yeah, I'm worthless at everything. He said, that's not humility. If you met a truly humble person, you would walk away saying, Man, that person was so joyful. They were so nice to be around. They listened when I talked to them. They seemed like they really cared. Man, I wonder what makes... Because it's not about them. They were making it about someone else. So humble yourself. Know how God has gifted you and find how you can plug that into the body. He has gifted everyone differently. So humble yourself and die to self. Uh, Just a quick test of your humility okay so just think for yourself are you quick to defend yourself when someone criticizes you 
if you're quick to jump to your own defense, then you're probably not a tr- truly a humble person. Can you take advice or criticism um, and take it in a good spirit and admit maybe where you have made a mistake and own up to what what has happened? Do you truly have a servant's heart seeing and meeting the needs of all around you without doing it for the praise of man? So not just, well, I'll meet a certain certain people's needs, but do you truly see the needs of everyone around you of, hmm, how could I help that person? What is it that this person needs? And then are you quick to forgive and show mercy? Are you quick to forgive and show mercy? Think what would happen to our communities here if you had a truly unified team, a truly unified body that lived for nothing else but God's glory. Think of that. We have, we, I, as as a coach, you're saying we man, we have some good we have some good pieces here that we can we can plug in, right? That we can we can use. We could use them in this position. We can use them in this position. And sometimes, as a team, you have. Well, I don't want to play that position. I want to play over here. I want to play up here. I want to. I I don't want to play that. Well, this is where we need you. Well, no thanks. And the whole team suffers. But when you have a team. Wherever you need me, plug me in, and, and I'll go at it 100%. Think what would happen in just Sheraton, in Lucas, and Wayne County, if we truly had a, a unified team that lived for nothing else but God and his glory. So, as Paul reminded them, have the mind of Christ, who humbled himself, and even to the point of death, humble yourself and live for God's glory, Having the mind of Christ be unified together, show love, live for God, not self. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I wish that this was a uh, something that we could decide once, that we were going to um, put our selfish desires to death once and it would be done with. But Lord, this is a moment-by-moment struggle, and we cannot... Um, crucify the flesh apart from your spirit's empowering of us. And so, Lord, I pray that even today that we would, first of all, seek after you, that we would live for you, and then that we would take a very uh, passionate interest in growing together as a body. Lord, what, what a privilege it is to be part of your family, part of your body, <clears throat> knowing that we have the greatest master, the greatest, uh, the greatest leader, the greatest father. Lord, I pray that as your children, that we would live in a way that is pleasing to you, that we would be quick to show forgiveness and love, that through it your name would be praised, that through it the world would see how great of a God you are. Lord, we know that anything that good is because of you and you're working in our lives. And we say thank you today. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen.